When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm your host, Ryan Key. And I'm your host, Nick Ambarian. A triad in the force, <laughs> up in this bitch. <laughs> if you will. Today we're talking about something that is super fun to talk about, to me at least, I'm sure you dudes as well. We're going to get super nerdy, but we're going to break it down and try to simplify and almost make this a resource for those of you who are a little bit confused about the actual chronology, the timeline of Star Wars, going back to a little bit of stuff outside of the movies, but mainly the films, the cartoons, the other series, the things coming up, all of it. We're going to put it kind of in order, and we're going to talk about it in varying degrees of zoom. So if we can zoom all the way out and then break it down and then get into some cool nuanced shit along the way, that's the plan. Let's do it. Last year, 2019 in August, at D23, Disney's convention... Would you call it that? Yeah, it's like the same vibe as a Comic-Con, but it's specifically all things Disney. Right. And at this one, they announced two upcoming series for Disney+, Plus: the Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Cassian Andor series, which we talked about. And they also laid out the timeline and had this big, sweet graphic on screen. And the biggest takeaway, I thought, was how they reorganized the canon into three ages. The Age of Republic, the Age of Rebellion, and the Age of Resistance. So rather than focusing on the Empire, the First Order, the Old Republic, and things like that, it seems to be fully focused on, like, sort of the good side. They want to be on the right side of history with the naming. Yeah, it's almost like uh, they rebranded the eras. Exactly, yeah. There you go. Perfect. And these are all separated out into comic books, which you've read several of, right, Nick? Some of them, yeah. I mean, if we want to start at the beginning, they kind of made that whole, uh, you know, episode one, two, three era called uh, The Age of Republic. They, of course, include the Clone Wars in there because that that takes place primarily between two and three. And then The Age of Rebellion kind of speaks for itself, starting with A New Hope, ending with Return of the Jedi. Includes The Mandalorian as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, but there's also kind of cool no man's land, like where Solo and Rebels live, where also the Obi-Wan and Cassian Andor shows are kind of living in, in this space between The Age of Republic and Age of Rebellion. It's a really cool graphic. They show Rebels spanning a pretty big time span, and it's almost like it starts before the Age of Rebellion and then butts right up against A New Hope on the timeline, which makes sense. They're building that age by being Rebels. I love how Rogue One and A New Hope are just, the lines are pretty much touching, like (laughs) that whole concept where you can finish watching Rogue One and start A New Hope immediately, and it's pretty sick. cool on the timeline where you almost can't see the separation in the two lines on the timeline. You know what this really kind of gets me excited for is like they're currently filling in these gaps between eras now. Think about the time we're going to fill in the gap between, you know, like Mandalorian is 
kind of starting to fill in that gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Yeah. Think about if they really start to mine that era eventually, yeah. 10, 15 years, there's just series about, I don't know, Captain Phasma, whatever, you know, like stuff yeah. that we want more of. There's a whole 30 year or so period in between Jedi and, and Force Awakens that can be mined for series, books, whatever. And then the Age of Resistance starts with, obviously, The Force Awakens. It's like the pushback against the evil in the galaxy got rebranded as well. They're, of course, always and forever rebels, rebel scum. But Age of the Resistance is what The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker fall within. And Star Wars Resistance, the cartoon, and Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, I like they included Galaxy's Edge in there. That's nice. I bet you do. I bet you do like that. Batu crew plug, everyone follow on instagram thank you <laughs> nick mentioned a little bit about the gap between age of rebellion and age of resistance but let's zoom in a little bit and talk about the gaps between each of these ages specifically so between episode three and four 19 years those are really kind of like the edges of those two ages with like mm -hmm. you said in, in no man's land ryan obi-wan kenobi and solo but 20-ish years between those two ages and then between the Age of Rebellion and the Age of Resistance, between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, 30 years. So, big jump. We were just talking about, before we started recording, we were talking about how the ages of the actors have to coincide with the ages of the films. If we're focusing on feature films for a minute, you look at, like, Billy D. Williams in Episode 9 is supposed to be, according to the calendar, he's supposed to be 66 years old. <laughs> and I think he was, like, 82, 83, something like that, when they filmed the episode. Yeah. Even Harrison Ford in Force Awakens is mid 70s but supposed to also be you know mid 60s so and adam what you said something about obi-wan even in a new hope yeah it's interesting i mean it's like that with actors period with movies you know it's all about how old you can play the character not about how old you actually are for the most part it just turns out that sometimes when you bring back the exact same actors some age better than others <laughs> shit can get weird <laughs> It's like how they cast like late 20 year olds in like high school shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who was on 90210 like, the whole time? That was like clearly like 30 Luke, something. Luke Perry. Luke Perry. He was, oh, wait. He was, no, that, but there was a. Uh, the one, girl. Andrea? Andrea? Yeah, the girl was that who, her name? Who didn't technically live in the school district or whatever. Yeah, she yeah. was like. I think she was actually 30. But yeah. Luke Perry looked 50 the whole show. Yeah. Rest in peace. But he did. Yeah. He did. Well, dude, my wife and I just finished Harry Potter the other day. And in the last movie, they're supposed to be 17, right? juniors seniors yes yeah harry looks like nick with the fucking <laughs> the five o'clock shadow like the one kid in my high school that had a five o'clock shadow like that we were all like dude he's a narc he's got to be an undercover oh, cop totally. there's no way 21 there's always Street. one yep <laughs> <laughs> all right back to timelines let's get back so i'll just go right down the line actually we'll mention one thing the high republic which was this era that was announced january february 2020 yeah i think it was late february this seems like it's going to be the next era they're just laying the foundation for with all of the books, the comics and everything to then make films within. So almost like, you know, they're sort of creating like the Marvel comic book universe to then build a cinematic universe on top. I'm here for it. And that's 200 BBY. So before Battle of Yavin. Which we haven't explained yet. So yeah, that leads us to that. So for the purpose of this episode, we're going to be using BBY and ABY before Battle of Yavin, after Battle of Yavin. The Galactic Standard Calendar. It's based on the Coruscant solar cycle, which is 24-ish hours. I think they have 368 days. It's Earth-ish. 
I read somewhere that in Legends, it, 368 was a common thing that was thrown around really? as far as the, the length of year, but that it seems that they've simplified it to 365 now in canon. There's also some really fun stuff about how many days of the week they have, how many weeks in a month, how many months. It's pretty cool. I kind of want Earth's calendar to be like more like this. Do they call days rotations, or am I confusing that with a different science fiction fantasy? That sounds cycles, fam- cycles rotations? rotations, something like that sounds familiar. We're knowledgeable Star Wars fans We're on that it. have a podcast about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, this podcast um, is just here to tell you which links to follow in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that said, though, focusing on BBY and ABY, there are some alternate calendars and dating systems that are interesting and a fun read to go online and get into the Reddit threads and the Wikipedias and find out whatever you want to learn about this stuff. But the Imperial calendar, which is BFE and AFE, what is it before form formation of empire? Yep. And so that's starting 19 BBY. So 19 years before the battle of Yavin star killer incident, which was when the Hosnian system was destroyed in the force awakens 34 years, ABY, but it's got its own calendar in some of the Canon material. There has been a little bit of controversy, at least on YouTube, fucking shocker, because in the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary, they use this calendar exclusively. There's no BBY, ABY. And a lot of people were thinking that it was replacing the BBY, ABY system. It doesn't seem that way to me. It seems more like because this is this giant galaxy, you would assume, just like on Earth, you've got different calendars from different cultures. There are significant events in the mythologies or the religions of different peoples. So they have their own calendars. And because the Hosnian system, obviously that's like the biggest thing that ever happened to them, they're going to build a calendar around that. So because that was important in this trilogy, I'm guessing that's why they put it in the visual dictionary. They're not literally trying to kill the past like The Last Jedi says, everybody chill out. Are we all cool out there? Uh, (laughs) I think it could be the fact that just consider such a massive event, if the First Order is supposed to hold the same weight as the Empire held, then the entire galaxy is shifting on its axis. Why was BBY a, a calendar? Why did that start? Right. And that's the one that we go on. For a whole new generation of galaxy dwellers, this was their Yavin. Yeah. This was Alderaan being destroyed or whatever. It was. This is a huge event for them. So it's almost like it is a whole new era, a whole new calendar starting because... This isn't just happening to one system here or there. These are galaxy-wide events, which shift the whole thing on its axis. So my two cents. Makes sense. And then this one is really interesting, and we were just reading about it before we started recording. It's CRC, which is also known as Hosnian Reckoning. Uh, And it was from a book written by... Pablo Hidalgo. Pablo Hidalgo. Uh, It was called Star Wars Scum and Villainy, Case Files on the Galaxy's Most Notorious. So I guess it was kind of like an expose, sort of historical fiction kind of vibe. And it came out in 2018. But what's cool about this calendar, this CRC, Hosnian Reckoning calendar, is the way he set it up. It's, it's really convoluted and complicated how it's actually written out. Basically, it says CRC year 7977, which coincides with year zero BBY. So everybody following me. Basically, when Princess Leia was arrested by the Empire, that sort of kicks off zero BBY because that's the year of the Battle of Yavin. So this is year 7977 in Hosnian Reckoning. And the reason it's 977, it's in the seventh millennia of this calendar, but 977 is the year they're in in that millennia, which coincides with 1977. See what Pablo did there? 
<laughs> when A New Hope was released. So the calendar follows, you know, after that in the same kind of years that Earth is on from 1977 on. But I think this is one of the things that played into 365 instead of 368 was this calendar. It's a really cool calendar system, and it seems like it would be the one to use because Pablo Hidalgo was actually essentially in charge of fact-checking the Star Wars encyclopedia. Like He was basically like the whole expanded universe continuity checker. He assisted Steve Sansweet. I don't know if I've talked about this guy before. You guys know him? He's got like the biggest Star Wars collection ever. He ended up being hired. Rancho Obi-Wan. Yeah, ended up being hired by Lucasfilm to work on this exact stuff. So these dudes are like the authorities, so that would make sense. But I, I don't think there's any breaking from the ABY, BBY system. It makes sense. You know what I mean? That's where the story started. I do find it's interesting, and I'm glad we're doing this podcast because when I talk to, you know, normies out there who kind of know about Star Wars or kind of don't know about Star Wars, they're very confused about the timeline. And I know it's not linear, but it doesn't seem that confusing to me. But let's clear it up. Yeah, but you'd be surprised people who legitimately went into a film like Rogue One blind, you know, just went in. It's a Star Wars movie and came out saying, wait, I thought they blew up the Death Star. Did yeah. they like build another one? They people were literally were like, was that yeah. Ray? Yeah, they were calling her Jin Erso the whole movie. That was Ray. Yeah, she just, you know, whatever people call her, she just goes with it. Ray's hard to pronounce. Adam, you want to run through like a very vanilla read through of straight up. This is the order of everything. Yeah, let's dig in here. And again. We're following the BBY-ABY calendar system for this. Like we said, the High Republic starts 200 BBY. We'll talk about that more later, actually, because I think there's some cool stuff, but let's get into the films. The Skywalker Saga begins with Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, 32 BBY, so 32 years before the Battle of Yavin where the Death Star was blown up. Episode 2 is 10 years later, 22 BBY. Clone Wars takes place between Episode 2 and 3, it spans that full time, and it seems like it's creeping up into episode three as well. So, At the time of this recording, they just started season seven, Clone Wars, the final arc. So I'm not too sure if it's going to creep into Revenge of the Sith territory yet. There's three episodes left, but it's getting really close to Revenge of the Sith. So we'll see what happens. Regardless, that puts episode three at 19 BBY. Solo happens at 10 BBY, so 10 years before Han, Leia, and Luke meet. I found that on a CNET article where they basically determined that Han Solo was 19 in the film. Should be 10 BBY. And then the Obi-Wan series, it's supposed to be right around the same time as Solo. They said eight-ish years after, right? Well, Vinny Mancuso of Collider.com and his article does talk about it being eight years after. But I think speculation. Thanks, Vinny. Dude, I texted him and then like, so, yep, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> speculation, though, you know, it's, I mean, who knows? You got to consider the fact that Ewan McGregor is in his mid-late 40s, I think, and going to be playing a role that is much farther out than eight years from when he played Obi-Wan in the prequel. So uh, He looks knows? great, but though. He looks wonderful. He does look great. Yeah, I mean, you he know. looks majestic. Um... What were we saying? Oh, yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. So that wraps up Age of Republic. And then as we edge into Age of Rebellion. Godspeed, you rebels. Rebels starts at 5 BBY. And, well, the Cassian Andor series is going to be somewhere in there. They haven't specified. But Rogue One actually happens just days before and leading up to seconds before A New Hope. So all of this in year zero. The Empire Strikes Back takes place three years later, 3 ABY. Then just another year. For Return of the Jedi. Five more after that, 
is when the Mandalorian supposedly takes place. I wonder if that's the beginning of the Age of Resistance. It's unclear right now. I'm just speculating right now. Yeah. I think this is actually said by John Favreau that Mandalorian is going to start moving into the seeds of the First Order at some point. I just got very aroused. You know, it's crazy. Sidebar, too. He definitely said before the Mandalorian premiered that the series was going to shed some light on the species of Yoda. That was definitely out there before all of this happened. And it just kind of went over everyone's head. I'm so pumped. I can't fucking wait for the next season. I'm so pumped. Age of Resistance starts, like we said before, with The Force Awakens, 34 ABY. The Resistance series actually starts like six months before this, episode eight, pretty much right after. And then Galaxy's Edge, including what the park looks like and what the characters are sort of scripted to say, like Ryan talked about in the one episode, they're living in 34 ABY, 35-ish leading up because The Rise of Skywalker is 35 ABY. Galaxy's Edge is like a time machine. So that's it. All of this is like really tight compared to the other two eras. This is like a two-year period altogether. They had no choice with the way that the end of Force Awakens was with that lightsaber handoff. They had to start Last Jedi with that same scene. So there had to be basically Force Awakens is one day and Last Jedi is the next day. Yeah. Really differentiated it (laughs) from the original trilogy too. And then it made it picking up right where they left off. Obviously, the space between A New Hope and Empire was cool because it it established so much without having to show you anything. So you see everyone's skills elevated. Luke is fully invested in the Rebel Alliance and a member of the team. From the first scene of Empire, he's not that wide-eyed little kid from Tatooine anymore. And Captain Solo, he's fully in. But they did all that in like five minutes without needing to show you the previous three years. That was cool. But I think it's just as cool to do it the new way where they just the next film picked up where the last one left off. Yeah. For all the grief that people give the new films for taking too much from the old films, that's a huge divergence from the old method. Yeah. It's cool that they like just handled time differently entirely, almost like just straight linear. And then we get flashbacks. We get like all kinds of different shit. It's cool because you go back then to the prequels, totally different as well. Like it's really spaced out. You know, we start when Anakin is nine years old In The Phantom Menace, the second movie, it's 10 years later. It's cool that each trilogy kind of has its own approach to how they let time pass. So let's talk specifics going back to episode one. Like we said, we'll talk about the High Republic later. In episode one, Anakin is nine years old. Qui-Gon Jinn is how old? Qui-Gon is 48 when we embark on the journey in episode one. Yeah. So he was born roughly 80 BBY, a little older, but I mean, he looks about 48. That makes sense. Obi-Wan's 25. I think the coolest thing here, timeline-wise, in episode one, is the fact that Baby Yoda and Anakin are almost exactly the same age. I can't say that without my cheeks, like, my my face hurts from (laughs) smiling. Like, it's so insane. It's to be understood that Baby Yoda, the child, more proper nomenclature, was born minus 40 BBY, and Anakin was born minus 41 BBY. So... Within a year of each other, these two force wielders that are, will change the face of total sidebar, and we don't need to get into it. it. This is for another episode where we talk about the Mandalorian, but where is that going to go? Like, where is this new, the whole species age differently thing? And, and mm-hmm. as a writer, Favreau cannot have not included that in his thought process, that they were a year yeah. apart, species age differently, so it's going to take a lot longer for this second coming of Yoda species to develop whatever skills and knowledge and power 
But I don't know. It's just crazy to think about. And going through this timeline is the first that's ever been, you know, come to light for me of that they're the same age. It's wild. And there's some really sweet theories as to where the child comes from. And it all has to do with the timing. And I can't fucking wait to get into it. I can't wait until we're doing weekly episodes on new episodes of The Mandalorian on season two. So like I said, Anakin was nine in episode one. Then we jump ahead to episode two. He's 19. They really like the age 19 for characters. Everybody's 19 when we meet them, like the protagonists, it seems like, or early 20s with Obi-Wan, I guess. Should be noted that Padme was 14 in episode one and is now 24, which brings their age to 24 and 19, making it a little more believable that they bang it out. And also making it really believable that shit gets weird because girls dating younger dudes does not tend to work out because dudes are just immature little ass bags to begin with. And when they're five years younger, it's probably way gnarlier, especially when you're an emo kid on the straight and narrow to the dark side. Then episode three, just a couple years later. Clone Wars happening between episode two and three. I think probably the most prominent character there to reference or mention is Ahsoka Tano. She was born 36 BBY, so yeah, that makes her 14 or so when she shows up for the first time. She would be five years younger than Anakin. Yeah, interesting that Anakin, despite being kind of reckless, the whole council being kind of freaked out about him, gets a Padawan when he's still pretty young. And this Padawan isn't that much younger. It's not like he brought her in when she was like seven years old. He's like a senior and she's a freshman. <laughs> kind of. It's like, yeah you're, yeah, you're in charge of her life. I think the idea there from the council was to settle Anakin. I I mean, really, when you think about it, they know Anakin's going to be an issue and they take him on anyway at Qui-Gon's wish. The purpose of Ahsoka, which is funny because I think fans at first were kind of annoyed by her and now she's like one of the most revered characters and definitely the most revered animated character. Hell yeah. But um, the whole purpose of Anakin getting a Padawan was to calm him down and to focus him. Can we please get to Clone Wars so I can finally tell my Ahsoka Tano story, please? (laughs) It's still a while away, but man, I've got a cool story for everyone. Very cool story. Solo is next. Obi-Wan series somewhere in the mix in there. Solo, like we said, takes place 10 BBY. How old was Han Solo here? 19 again? 19. 19. I guess there's no official consensus on what year Han was born. The approximate date is 32 BBY based on suggestion from the other movies. I don't know why they never officially canonized this. And that still makes this happening kind of in between Age of Republic and Age of Rebellion in that kind of gray area. So by the time we get to Rebels, the Cassian Andor series, we've got Luke and Leia as teenagers, Han in like his early 20s. Vader at this point, Anakin Skywalker, is 41. Uh, Getting into A New Hope, he's 40, 41, yes. So late 30s. It's so weird. I I don't know if it's just from seeing him at the end of Return of the Jedi, but my entire life, I always perceived Darth Vader as being really old. So seeing in episode three, Hayden Christensen going into that suit was really weird. And thinking about anytime he's fighting and any of the new stuff we've seen, it's interesting to think about him not being an old, crusty-ass dude. (laughs) Yeah, he looks ancient at the end of Jedi. (laughs) And there's nothing you can do about that because it was filmed, I think, long before any of this needed to be considered, you know? But from a certain point of view, I can't imagine anyone aging very well living in that fucking suit with no <laughs> legs and shit. I don't know, though. We just, Nick and I moisturize, right? That's what we talk about. Yeah. That's, how, that's our secret, right? So 
he's constantly in like a vat of of he gets in the diaper tank healing like liquids. Yeah, the bakta juice. That's got to be better than Kiel's moisturizer that I use. Got to be. Got to. <laughs> you imagine though, he probably isn't very physically active. He's using the force. He's got three robotic limbs. His head's all kind of like a fucking potato at the end. It's like he's that skinny dude that gets old and then just starts to like melt in the head and neck area. <laughs> I can't wait. And get like a weird beer gut. You look like a Simpsons or Family Guy character. Uh. I don't really have like great chin. It's not like a great feature of mine. So I'm just waiting as the time slips by until my neck just becomes my chin. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be that guy. Potato head old man. Like a worm in a suit. I can't wait. <laughs> just get a Vader mask at that point. <laughs> yeah. Now's a good time to have a Vader mask, actually. <laughs> yeah, it should be noted, everyone. This is another quarantine cast. Palpatine is 82 during A New Hope. We don't see him, but we know that he's about 82. He was born 82 BBY, so he was 50 in episode one, 60 in episode two, 63 in episode three. It's interesting to compare his age to like Mace Windu in episode one. They were like 10 years apart, 40 and 50. Chewie, around the time of episode four, was hitting 200. So in Solo, they mentioned he's 190. So he was born before Palpatine, before Count Dooku. Not as old as Jabba the Hutt or Yoda or Maz, but 200 BBY. So in episode three, he's 181 when all this shit's going down. And then he meets his best friend like a few years later, who's like an infant compared to him, which is so funny. (laughs) And nobody really, there's no real evidence of, do we have a Wookiee's lifespan? Is that common knowledge? No, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think that there is. So we don't really know. I mean, how long Chewbacca's just going to keep kicking? It's like reverse dog years. I think of it not even in like Star Wars terms i feel like now that disney has lucasfilm and star wars under its belt chewbacca is just going to live forever because why would you ever kill off a non-human entity right you could stick any actor in chewbacca for the rest of time or r2d2 or 3po whatever and we've mentioned already luke and leia were 19 in a new hope and then we get into the empire strikes back we see the emperor for the first time we don't know him as Palpatine quite yet. It's not even Ian McDermott yet in the right. original, original. Ian McDermott's age is not actually relevant yet until we talk about Return of the Jedi. But Palpatine is supposed to be in his mid-80s at this point. Boba Fett, interesting. Boba Fett is about the same age as Lando. Hmm. So in Empire, Boba's 35 and Lando's 34 years old. They were born in 32 BBY and 31 BBY. C-3PO is the same age as Boba Fett, if anyone cares to know. I have this conversation with my girlfriend all the time, and it's a running joke in our house. Would you consider, if you really go out on a limb, that C-3PO is a Skywalker? Kinda. Yeah. Think Like, Anakin built him, right? Yeah. Would that not be, like, is Anakin his father? Yeah. 3PO. <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Luke and Leia's half-brother. Yeah. Holy shit, I've never thought about that. That's amazing. <laughs> And we also know, apparently, when BB-8 and R2 were built, BB-8, 29, ABY, R2 before 32, BBY. Yeah, so we don't really know exactly, but it seems he's somewhere around the same age as 3PO. Interesting. Also in The Empire Strikes Back, worth mentioning that Yoda is 899 years old. I guess because he says in Return of the Jedi, when 900 years old you are, that's the, that's the one line that defines his age. 
but he's really old, so I wonder how much he's rounding up. You know how you do that thing when you start to get older? Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'm 40. Like I was saying that my whole 39th year. <laughs> how old is Yoda, actually? He could be like 867. He's like, oh, I fucking might as well call it 900. <laughs> there was no reference to his age other than that, and they went back and referenced it a little bit in the prequels, right? Yeah. There, at some point, he talks about how long he's been training Jedi in the, in the prequels. Yeah, so he was born 896 BBY before the Battle of Yavin. Return of the Jedi just being a year later, not much has changed, but it's interesting to look at Palpatine's age right here. Yeah, I think it's some, we kind of touched on this about how the actors have to portray a certain age, even though they're not that age. And I think a lot of people might not realize when you see the Emperor in Return of the Jedi for the first time in the flesh, if you go back and imagine seeing him for the first time without the specialized versions, you know, the the re-releases in the 90s. And we did an episode actually on the differences in the scenes, the original Empire Strikes Back scene with the Emperor, which is the first time you see the Emperor, and the one that they changed in the 90s where they put Ian McDermott back in. So in 83, you go to the theater, this is the first time you've seen the Emperor, and he looks like he's 400 years old. Like he, he looks and sounds and... but. Ian McDermott was like 39 years old when that movie came out. And I didn't know that until I was an adult. And it blew my mind that he wasn't even 40, but he looks so old. And then how cool for them to have access to him as an actor to come back and do the prequels. As an actual old person. And look old. Yeah, (laughs) that worked out. You have to imagine that Lucas knew he was going to make the prequels and figured, okay, I need to cast somebody about this age and we'll just put him in old makeup. He had to, that had to have been a conscious choice. Well, and then he chose to write in the way he looks because of the force lightning and all that stuff too. But right. if I'd known as a kid that the guy playing the emperor was like basically the same age as my parents, it just was weird of right. me. It's so weird. Yeah. Because he seems like a, just the most ancient emperor grandpa. Grandpa right. Sheev. Right. New shirt. Grandpa Sheev. There it is. <laughs> Mandalorian comes in five years after Return of the Jedi at 9 ABY. And we don't know Mando's age yet, do we? No, we don't. But mm-hmm. it has to be in his 30s, I think, somewhere. We know that the child, Baby Yoda, is 50 when this starts. So here's where shit gets interesting. He is 50, meaning he was born, like we talked about earlier, 40 BBY. One year away from Anakin's birth. Man, that's going to be so sweet to find out what's actually going on. I can't wait. Were you saying that there's already some stuff out there about his existence being really based on the timeline. Yeah, the way it lines up with when Sifo-Dyas commissioned the clone army, like essentially when like the Kaminoans were first corresponded with. And there's some shit that ties in. There's some other character stuff, and I, I don't know well enough to say it right here, and I also don't want to be that podcast. But it's pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> I'm, I'm really stoked to find out how it's all going to pan out. If it's a coincidence, they need to fix it and make all the years and birth dates and all that stuff mean something. But I would like to think that it's not a coincidence. Yeah, I would like to think that Favreau had the foresight that's part of his creation of the character. Playing into the whole Force Awakens concept, you know, Mm -hmm. just that there are waves that come where these Force-sensitive beings are born or created. From here, we start to move into the Age of Resistance, starting with Resistance cartoons. 34 ABY, just six months before The Force Awakens. In The Force Awakens, Rey is 19. Again, they fucking love the age 19. Finn's 23. Rose is 23, you know, that we meet in The Last Jedi. Poe's 32. Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, though, is 29, so 10 years older than Rey, just like Han and Leia, interesting enough. That means Kylo Ren was born in 5 ABY. 
So the night of the Battle of Endor, as everyone's celebrating, as the Ewoks are playing fucking Stormtrooper head bongos outside, Han and Leia are getting knocked up. <laughs> right? I mean, well, Return of the Jedi is five years after A New Hope on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah, it starts four-ish ABY, yeah. Okay, here's how this lines up where and when Ben Solo was born. He was born in 5 ABY on Chandrilla. Mon Mothma was from this planet. Nice. This is also where Ben Solo lived for some time. But what's key about this, and I think the reason it's amazing how they tie all this stuff together, you know, those guys that are in a dark lair following all these different timelines and making sure they work together, is that apparently after the Battle of Endor in 4 ABY, this planet Chandrilla became the capital of the New Republic. Nice. So that would make sense why Leia was there. And, you know, I'm sure Han really enjoyed it there. It's totally his scene. <laughs> Off to a good start. So that's where he was born. And obviously why is because Leia had to go there because it was the capital. There's also some cool stuff about Poe Dameron's life, his upbringing, because he was born in two ABY. So between episodes four and five, that lines up really interestingly. I haven't, I, I want to say this is in a comic book or something. Somebody add us and fill us in whatever we're missing. But him being born right after the Death Star was destroyed is relevant in some way, you know, the context in which he grew up. The dude was born a rebel. Even though he ended up running Spice, that was just another version of being a rebel. He was just was going to go against the system. It was in his blood from birth, just based on where he's from. Dude, he's a battle of Yavin baby boomer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he gets old, he's going to turn into a conservative. <laughs> So do you know the interesting part? Oscar Isaac actually had the input on where Poe Dameron was born because Yavin was filmed in Guatemala. Oh, wow. And his family's lineage is from Guatemala. So that's how they worked that into uh, Poe Dameron's story. That's dope. You know what, Nick? You learn something new every day, and that's mine. <laughs> Thanks, man. You got it. We should also mention Maz Kanata, who's technically the oldest major character, was 976 years old when Yoda was giving shit to Luke about how old he was. <laughs> so by the time we meet her, she's over a thousand years old. She's a thousand, 1,007 years old in episode seven. Which is funny because uh, Han says she's been running this watering hole for a thousand years, but you know, species age differently. So maybe at age <laughs> seven, you could run a watering hole. I don't know. <laughs> she's like Stewie style. Just like, yeah, you know. yeah, totally. She can't, yeah. Maybe she was just fully knowledged and wisdomed. She was fully learned up right away. Just yeah. came out of the womb speaking the kings, you know? Like, hey, Todd, bust those fucking tables. <laughs> Sir, what are you drinking? Hurry up. It's my nap time. <laughs> uh, the last Jedi we meet, Snoke. A mystery. Is a mystery. Yeah, he was born before 19 BBY, but we don't know his exact age. Born or created. Born in a big fucking Matrix tube. I don't know if I care as much about his background anymore now, knowing that. But it's still, I don't know, it still is kind of interesting. I know there's some stuff about like what his species is out there. It'd be interesting to learn a little more. I'm interested to know about this supposed fight he had with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I want to see that or know of that. Um, also, Hux, uh, he's like in his early 30s, that proud little bastard. You know, he knows he's five years older than Kylo Ren, but he's just, so he's just extra butthurt about it, the whole thing. He was born in Zero, BBY. He was born right at the beginning of the journey. Also a boomer. <laughs> And then again, Galaxy's Edge is right here during the time of or right after The Last Jedi as a, a sort of a time capsule, which is pretty cool. 
And we don't have to go into a lot of detail on that. We devoted an entire episode to our journey there. And Nick runs an Instagram page that is completely devoted to his love of Galaxy's Edge. So <laughs> just check out that episode. And, I miss and, it so much. Oh, man, I know. <laughs> I know. I put it on the uh, Batu Crew Instagram a couple, I think it was probably at least two weeks ago, but I have no concept of time anymore. I don't know. I think the local ABC affiliate did like a helicopter view of Disneyland and how empty it was. And then when they got to Batu, it was just like, oh my God, there it is. It is yeah. just literally empty during daytime hours. You would assume Disney has like employees doing some upkeep or whatever, but this video shot was just, the sun is out and nobody's there. It was heartbreaking. Wild. How sick would it be to be there with no one else? Just like the three of us walking around with lightsabers doing nerd photo shoots. I would be naked on top of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Light speed skipping, are we? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings us to the end. Not much changes. Again, like we said, you know, all this happens like within a year or two. The only thing is we catch up with Lando, who's supposed to be 65, but in real life is 174 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Billy D. Williams actually in his 80s. In real life, he did those Cole 45 commercials a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Palpatine is 117, even though. We're now learning that this version He's of Palpatine... kind of reborn at some yeah, point. Yeah, a clone. So had he lived straight through, he would have been 117. Chewie, 235. Hey, happy birthday, Maz, 1008. She wears it well. You know what I mean? She moisturizes. <laughs> she uses the same uh, self-tanner as Trump. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's great. <laughs> that was great. You guys both said it at exactly the same time. <laughs> Fuck. All right, well, that wraps it up. Uncle Chewie, 235, still out here. Everyone he loved earlier in his life is dead, still cruising at 235. He's going to get his own something. He needs his own planet. Like, there's going to be an animated series or something that's just Uncle Chewie all day. <laughs> Him just, like, happily retired somewhere with nothing but droids so nobody else can die. Just droids and, like, margaritas by the pool. <laughs> or, and maybe he meets back up with that chick from Kessel. Oh, right? <laughs> they have family live happily ever after. But for real, though, wouldn't it be cool to see how he got separated from the clan, you know, or whatever yeah. group of Wookiees is called, his tribe, his group of people, his family, yeah. how he left Kashyyyk, what happened at the end of Revenge of the Sith. I, I, I would love to see something like that. It would actually be awesome to see in flashbacks in Solo 2. Make Solo oh. 2. Yes, please. Hashtag make Solo <laughs> 2 happen. At make Solo 2 happen on Instagram. At make Solo 2 happen on Twitter. Those are real accounts. So the whole make Solo 2 happen campaign was all started by another podcast and friends of mine called The Resistance Broadcast. They do a podcast bi-weekly. Great podcast, great people. And they have a whole campaign that they're trying to get us a solo sequel. It's a great cause. Love that. We've talked about this before. Ron Howard's on board. I swear I read that somewhere. In an interview somewhere, he's like, I, yeah, I, I'd love to do it. Man, I just want to see those dudes cruising around the galaxy, getting into shit. I want to see live-action Darth Maul and Crimson Dawn. Like, yes. All, I, I, I want to see all that. I don't understand why anyone at Disney doesn't think that whatever they thought failed in that endeavor cannot be redeemed in a sequel. I, I don't understand. I bet they're just giving it time to cool off. You know what I mean? I still stand by, too, what I've said in previous episodes of the podcast, that the hype of making another one will outdo the first one alone Agreed. because the first one did so poorly. I'm air quoting. Just because of that, when they announce they're making another one, everyone's going to freak out and they'll be even bigger than the first one. I think just logically speaking too, more people like it now than they did then because more people have seen it and realized that it's good. 
and it's so good that they're allowed so good. to like it. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it does seem like if you're going to base doing a sequel or a series or whatever, they're going to think about numbers and they're going to look at like the hard numbers and know that it wasn't a very profitable movie. But, you know, sometimes you got to just be creative and realize that you stick to the plan and there's a plethora of ideas just coming out of Solo. But we covered that, didn't we? We, we did. did, but it's another option too <laughs> to move it to a series. That that oh, is definitely. that's definitely an option they have now, and you know, all of those people could get paid what they need to get paid to do a series version of it on Disney Plus. So that could be really cool too. So Clone Wars really is presented in story arcs. It would be cool in any one of these, like just say for instance the Cassian Andor series, that there's a three or four episode arc that has Enfys Nest in it, maybe Chewie's out there somewhere. Because thinking even Chewie kind of running solo missions in the Galaxy's Edge era, where Hondo and Chewie are using the Millennium Falcon without Han. So it's like, Chewie, why couldn't he theoretically run a solo mission with the Falcon or something and show up in two or three episodes of a Cassian Andor series. Why not? Yeah. Hire me. I could write this stuff. Please. Now's the time to fucking hire us. <laughs> so uh, just going back to how the the different eras were rebranded uh, pretty recently, they used that rebrand to launch a like, comic book miniseries, basically all titled after Age of Republic... Age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance. So the Age of Republic comic series by Marvel is split into heroes and villains. So Age of Republic heroes deals with Anakin, deals with Obi-Wan, deals with Padme, deals with Qui-Gon, and that's its own separate series within a series. And then the villain portion deals with Dooku, deals with Grievous, deals with Jango Fett, and deals with Darth Maul. So it's cool how they split everything up kind of just branched out from the rebranding of the Age of the Republic and then did Heroes, did a separate Villains uh, Category 2, which is uh, pretty rad. And then they went on to do that with uh, every other era. We have Age of Rebellion, and that comic series was, again, split into Heroes and Villains, and the Heroes portion was Han, Lando, Luke, and Leia. And then the Villain portion of this dealt with Boba Fett, Vader, Jabba the Hutt, Tarkin. And then moving on to Star Wars Age of Resistance, the heroes has to do with Finn, Rose Tico, Poe Dameron. And then the villains section has to do with Snoke, Phasma, Hux, and Kylo Ren. And all these stories are just supplemental and kind of filling in the blanks in the gaps between the movies, essentially, or sort of extending scenes or a little bit of both? It's not necessarily extending scenes, I wouldn't say, but it is just kind of adding to the lore and character development and just little scenes. Or like filling in plot? Yeah, I mean, with anything with novels or comics, you're not going to get something too heavy out of them. It's all cool stuff, cool visuals. It adds to character depth. Yeah. But there's there's nothing ever too heavy in them. Right. Having not read them, though, the coolest thing that you've mentioned was the training that Ben received from Snoke when he took the really bad fall and stopped oh, dude, himself. yeah which really clears up how he could have survived the fall on Exegol. Love that. Yeah. All of this stuff is intertwined. Some of it is heavier than others, but things like that, it would be great for all of Lucasfilm publishing, animation, live action, whatever it is, to make it easier for people to not have to dig. Like, I, un I understand this is all there. It's, it's all there somewhere, and maybe podcasts like this will help people dig 
but it would be great to know cross-platform why Ben was able to survive that fall right. instead right. of being like, oh, you know what? I read that in a comic book. That makes sense. It would be great in a linear fashion, maybe, that you don't have to read a comic book to know why he survived in a movie. But, I mean, it's there for us. Well, like you said, though, maybe that's our job. When we run out of movies, we're going to be doing stuff like, you know, really taking apart these comic books. And it will be cool for all three of us to go through them and read them and everyone kind of say, yeah, but what about this part? And what about that? You know, I think, I think we're yeah. going to find some stuff in there that's, that's really cool. And hopefully people listening will pick up on stuff like that. And while it's frustrating, I agree, because like, I didn't know that. And when you said it, I was like, oh, my God, yes, of course. And, and it's not even far-fetched, like, in the world of Star Wars. Like, that now completely makes sense that that's a skill he learned and knew how to survive a, a fall like that. I'm excited to get into him. And even though I understand what you're saying, that it's not going to be these huge, you know, universe-altering plot points, but it, I'm sure there's a lot of little nuggets in there that are just super cool. And one thing to to approach like Star Wars fandom or any fandom in, in a level-headed sense, obviously the storytelling's not linear. So if something is bothering you, there's a good chance they're going to wrap it up eventually. So right. yeah. calm down. And I think that plays into what we've been talking about in this crazy timeline and how cool it is that the universe is so big that they have their own BCE and they, you know, BBY and ABY. It's, like, it's, it's awesome to be able to take apart all these different storylines and see how they intertwine. And I agree. I think the casual viewer isn't going to understand how these things all intertwine. So hopefully we're helping. That's the goal. Something I'm really excited about, speaking of filling in things, the sort of other side of that is laying the foundation for new things, which is exactly what Star Wars The High Republic is going to do. In my opinion, it seems like this is where we're going. We mentioned at the beginning of this 200 years before the events of A New Hope, somewhere between two and 300 BBY, they're saying. The High Republic is essentially like the new canon to sort of tell the kind of stories it seems like, the kind of stories that maybe the Knights of the Old Republic told. It still is kind of up in the air where Knights of the Old Republic sit as far as canon and legends. That happened a few thousand years prior. So this will be interesting. But the point of it is to essentially see the Jedi in their prime as you know, what's become legend has described them. Obi-Wan saying things like, the Jedi were once the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. Those glory days, that's what the High Republic is supposed to be about. It's a hopeful, optimistic time. This is the idea. But there, of course, is there's some evil. There's got to be this like balance. There's got to be this conflict or else what the fuck were we reading about? It's going to be really interesting to see. They're going to be expanding into the Outer Rim, all this like new stuff. And I'm really stoked to see, I think I mentioned this before, how this is going to kind of lay almost the equivalent of like a comic book universe that then a cinematic universe gets built on top of rather than just kind of throwing shit against the wall for new films without any other context. We'll potentially fall in love with these characters before we can even see them on screen. Don't you think there's probably some screenwriters and directors that maybe if what you're saying is what's happening and they're laying groundwork for future cinematic endeavors, that there are people who are like chomping at the bit to make some prequel-esque, you know, like er earlier films that aren't the prequels, like the opportunity to be like, you know what we can do right now is totally redeem ourselves and go make this height of the Jedi Order, but make it look cool and and gritty and feel like Star Wars. I'm betting and I'm hoping that Ryan Johnson's trilogy takes place around this era. I'm in. Which is still a go as far as I know. Probably yeah. a solid bet. This whole era is is interesting to me because I'm not sure, like, 
I'm just thinking Earth years here. If you lay the bed for novels and comic books in this era, if you want it to go to live action movies or series or whatever, are you just kind of filming what the first book was or are you expanding on what the first book was? You know, because that's that's where you get into like the casual fan being like, there's a new Star Wars I don't know who these people are. And then the hardcore yeah. fans are like, oh, the, you have to know who this Jedi is and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know what route they're going to take. Because also, you know, like if, if they're trying to go the Marvel universe, this stuff has been around for decades. How do you build a new world and then put it on in live action within five to 10 years? I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how they do that. You're going to need some really good writers because if this theory that Adam has kind of presented, which totally tracks to me, I mean, Disney can't be banking on novels for how they're going to monetize the next phase of Star Wars, right? So I totally think that that's a viable theory, but they're going to need some really solid writers because I think the way to go here is to create that source material that something like Game of Thrones had, which we now know how important the source material was to that show. I mean, it changed dramatically when they had to go off book. So whether they're doing actual film adaptations of the novels or which I think is what you're kind of talking about, Nick, or if they're just going to kind of lay groundwork with some new characters and stuff. I still think that whoever's creating this source material, if we're betting on the fact that they're going to make movies, then a lot hangs in the balance for these people who are creating these new stories and and the characters that they're going to develop. So there is actually a, a group of people that are putting this era together. And it was announced before it was called the High Republic. It was just called Project Luminous. And it was a... Luminous beings, are we? Exactly. Referring to Yoda, which is is a big thing, too. You know, he's totally alive during this era. So I feel like that's not an accident that they oh, yeah, called fuck. it Project Luminous. But uh, it is like a whole... In- I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. How cool is that? I mean, think about it. At this point, it's really just Maz and Yoda that are, that we know yeah. and possibly droids. But it was called Project Luminous. And when they finally let everyone know what it was, it was a whole endeavor that was going to take place across comic books and novelizations of a uh, cross-platform kind of thing. And there are a couple of authors and writers, and it's uh, Kevin Scott, Claudia Gray, Charles Sewell, Daniel Jose Alder, and uh, Justina Ireland. They're all the main people who are actually working together to map out this whole 200 years before the Phantom Menace era, which is great. I mean, it's really wonderful that they're taking that kind of like teamwork uh, vibe to put together something because who doesn't love like we're all in bands and as much as we're all going to fight with each other, it's obviously preferred that we bounce ideas off of each other in that sense, you know? So if someone has a good idea, sure, that's a good idea, but how could we make it better? That type of thing. So it's really cool that you have, you know, five or six people in a room or on an email chain or whatever it is building a whole new era. We should put in the show notes, the video that announced this, we tweeted it. I think we posted on Instagram as well when it happened, but it's an awesome kind of like round table writers brainstorming kind of vibe. I guess they're at Lucasfilm at Skywalker Ranch or something. And they've got this giant whiteboard with all these ideas, you know, it's like a column, like things we love about Star Wars, things we want to see in this, you know, things we want to avoid, whatever. And they're just these like great writers, these nerds brainstorming about what new Star Wars stuff to create from fucking thin air. And it seems like the coolest room to be in. It's really because of what has become and what actual facts are out there with like the rule of two and Sith. 200 years before, the Sith were not a thing. So yeah. I remember the a point of when they announced all this, a big point of 
the storytelling was if this is the height of the Jedi, what are they scared of? So that's yeah. that's kind of what they have to fill in. It's like who's the enemy of the Jedi? You can't just have a movie of the Jedi like partying, saving <laughs> like yeah, partying and saving cats out of trees like they're firefighters <laughs> or something. <you> know? <laughs> the Sith had been a thing before that though. Yeah, like it it, it all comes in waves, right? So yeah. there must the, be two out there at this point, but they're the in hiding. Like the Jedi don't. No, they're not a threat, I guess, would be the best way to right. put it. So that may be what the films focus on. You know, it's like laying all this groundwork and stuff that maybe isn't exciting enough to put on screen per se. But then, I mean, they're going to have to run into some dark side users, Sith or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on screen would probably be the, the place to do that. Maybe it's just the actual reverse of how, like, we see things on screen and then they fill in some details here and there that matter. Maybe they're going to fill in all the details and then what's on screen is something that the casual fan can understand and think is an awesome movie. But Makes sense. the super fans go in excited and knowing why the main character can do something Yeah. when a casual fan just accepts that they could do something. Well, let's wrap up. I want to keep this one shorter-ish, but we want to do a couple things. I love you. I know. We, of course, probably shouldn't pick a favorite scene out of the entire Star Wars fucking franchise <laughs> or a favorite quote, but I think it'd be cool to kind of choose a favorite era, a favorite concept or archetype or story arc, character arc, whatever, favorite character, period, one or two for each of us. It's up to you guys. I think I have my kind of main one, but Nick, what about you? I think I would say my favorite concept overall, because I feel like if we were all able to live a couple hundred more years, this might actually come true. But just think about like how valuable R2-D2 and 3PO are. But then also think about how valuable your smartphone is. What if in a couple hundred years we just have droids? Yeah. I like the concept of droids, for sure. As assistants, as a friend, you know, like like something you could depend yeah. on. I mean, it could get a little scary if they wind up turning on you, but that's a different genre of sci-fi. <laughs> it's cool how Star Wars always kept them in line. It, it wasn't until Solo, really, that you started to feel this, like, slavery-type indentured servitude, you know, thing with the droids. Like, you just sort of accepted that R2 and C-3PO were just would just do whatever they needed to do that, to help the humans along, you know? Yeah, right. I, okay, so I... Nick, you did a concept. That's good. So I'll just be bold and do character and be really boring and obvious. But I can't choose otherwise. Yoda has been like a prophet for me since childhood. So many lines of dialogue and so many ideas that came from his teachings in the films are just things you live by, you know? I find that Yoda is such a central core element to all of this working and if you remember when you first saw Yoda and you first heard him speak and you that that first transition when he goes from goofy cooking, bouncing off the walls, Yoda to speaking to Obi-Wan and saying, I can't train him. Watching that now as an adult, I mean, that performance, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the puppeteering and the voice acting behind that, it still affects me in such a huge way. So I think it would be hard for me to say that Yoda is not my all time favorite. Star Wars character. Nice. I think he he doesn't get enough love on the who's your favorite character survey. Does he not? I Most feel like... Most people default to like Han or Chewie okay. or... Well, then I guess I'm not being boring and unoriginal. No, I think it's... I think that's great. I'm gonna go with something that maybe seems kind of boring to me, maybe not to everybody else. Just the concept, the idea of the hero's journey 
Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, which is absolutely the beginning of Star Wars, period, as a concept. The sort of coming of age, uh, stepping into a larger new world kind of thing is so captivating and like intoxicating. It's what makes it impossible to follow the first Matrix movie with any other sequel. Nothing can hit as hard as like Neo's eyes being opened, being awakened to this whole other world. Nothing can fucking hang with Luke learning about the Force. Like he just says, the Force? And he sits down and Obi-Wan drops this knowledge on him. And then his journey, same thing with Rey. Like seeing these wide-eyed young people or young people that think there's something more out there, but they, they don't know how to connect with it. Seeing them go through that journey is the most powerful storytelling shit, period, to me. When I go think about stories that make me cry, just from pure nostalgia, it's always stuff that, that follows this. So that's mine. It's funny that you bring up The Matrix and the sequel, and I, I agree. It happens so much. That same thing happens so much in film when you try to do sequels that are based on this hero's journey. But think about how amazing Star Wars is, the way that you actually did feel that way still in Empire. Yeah. Like somehow they did it twice in a row. Not so much in Return of the Jedi, but in the first two, it was like you experienced that feeling of his journey and his eyes being opened. It it was just as impactful in both films. Like his leaving Tatooine and his family dying. And of course, you're in, you're hooked. But then Empire comes along and you meet Yoda and he starts his training. And it was like the difference in that and the Matrix, for example, is in the second Matrix movie, you know, he's in the universe. He's fully functioning, he's doing his thing, and he's fighting bad guys and kicking ass and taking names, right? Whereas Empire kept you captivated because he still wasn't the hero yet. I think the movie got some backlash back then for not doing enough, not moving the story along enough because it wasn't adventurous enough. It was so rooted in the teachings of Yoda and the struggles of Han Solo and... I think it's amazing how long they kept our attention at that level, you know? But the implications of each chapter are so heavy, even if at the time they were like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I want to see more fucking space battles. What it comes down to is like the implications of that second door opening. It's like you walk into a building, each door you open, there's a more expansive space. Harry Potter did the same thing. I don't want to say that like the Wachowskis blew it with the Matrix sequels. I just think it's so hard to hang with a reveal of that magnitude. It's almost like they just blew their whole wad in the first story. But I don't think you have to say that just about them. I mean, look at what, what Anakin and the prequels could have been. Look at yeah. what that hero's journey could have been and didn't have the right stuff either. So that's what makes the original trilogy of Star Wars so magical. For sure. Do we want to answer some listener questions? I know we have one. Intercepted transmissions. Again, we need a soundbite for intercepted transmissions if anyone has some ideas for quotes that could be chopped together to make this happen. Or if you want to do it, you want to be super creative, hit us with that. I have no button to press right now. Yeah, just make it. (laughs) Anthony Pierce from Patreon, which is where you can submit questions. If you guys had the opportunity to collaborate and write either a Star Wars movie, series, comic, or book, what would it be about and why? Nick, you're up. (laughs) This is a tough one. I'm, I'm coming in totally blank. I have no idea. Well, we'll give our non-answer and then you can think of an answer. Yeah. Yeah, we can't really answer. This is tough for us for different reasons. Ryan and I have actually talked quite a bit about an idea for a Star Wars story, a thing that I thought of a few years ago, only shared with a couple people. We can answer the question that it would be a movie. It would be a movie. 
But I don't think it, we can answer the second half of what it would be about because it's really fucking good. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, it's a really good idea. It's a longer time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We can say that. <laughs> I would say if I could do anything right now, just in the in, for the sake of Star Wars storytelling and filling in gaps and stuff, like who doesn't want to know more about Luke Skywalker? Yeah, man. Let's go like just post Endor, Battle of Endor, Luke kind of being a badass. I want to know what he was yeah. really like. Yeah, you think about we didn't really see Luke Skywalker at the height of his ability ever. We ended the journey with him at, at the end of his coming of age, kind of, as a Jedi. We have, like, uh, we put him on a pedestal because at that point he's all of our hero. But, like, how powerful was he? Mm-hmm. I want to know that. I want to know, like, if Anakin's the chosen one and Luke's the son of the chosen one, but he has no one to teach him further and he goes to Octo and reads all these books and blah, blah. How, how, what, what could he do? Is he, is he one of the best Jedi ever? I have no idea. I want to know right. these things. Yeah. I mean, force projecting himself is so massive if you think about it. But if you don't think about it and you're just looking at it, you're like, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know it's the difference between, like, watching, like, a nuanced game that requires a lot of skill and just being like, man, just hit more home runs. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, we want to see him just fucking pull a ship out of the sky with the force and, like, do backflips and shit. I still want that. But I guess the force projection thing is fucking massive i feel like part of this too would absolutely have to do with leia training with him yeah that, yeah. Would, that would be a whole story arc i would love to see that i'll get on it i'll start writing you it. get on it, it work, man. <laughs> i'll get on it <laughs> all right let's wrap up fully with a quote of the week this quote comes from a person named joseph campbell if you don't know who joseph campbell is he was an american philosopher who had a massive influence on george lucas and actually the core of Star Wars really comes from his ideas. He wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which laid out his theory of the hero's journey, like I mentioned before. Lucas actually didn't meet him until after the Star Wars films were done, but when he did, they became good friends. He found out that Campbell actually saw all of the things that he had written about and taught in Star Wars and went on to sort of become George's mentor and played a huge part before and after they knew each other in all things Star Wars and the stuff that we know as the hero's journey. So read up on this man. And in the meantime, here's a quote. A hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. Joseph Campbell. Which, as you said, is the beginning and ending of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, man. Uh, Yes, you're correct. It's heavy. So that wraps us up. Hopefully this clarified some things. I know we really went down some tangents, but hopefully... For anyone who didn't know how all the puzzle pieces fit together, this has been a resource for you. It's been really, actually, educational for us just doing the research to bring all this together. So I've had a lot of fun. Have you guys had fun, or did you think this was shit? It was just a good hang, man. I'm having a great time. Yeah, that's all we knew. I'm living my best quarantine life. Shit, yeah. (laughs) Bill Key, tell us about the internet. I will. I'll tell you all about the webs. If you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at ThankTheMaker1. It's just the number one. Find us on Instagram, where I'd say the most stuff is happening for us, at ThankTheMakerPod. How about you personally? I'm everywhere on the socials, at William Ryan Key. Nick? All my social media is at Nick Bayside, and for the extra nerdy Star Wars buds out there, follow me at Batu Crew, especially if you're into all things Galaxy's Edge. And you can find me everywhere at Adam the Skull. But most importantly, Ryan Key, tell him more stuff about the internet. (laughs) 
most importantly, if you want to support the podcast, we can keep this thing going. And first of all, let us say thank you to those of you that do. It's awesome. And it really is uh, providing us the support we need to keep making these episodes for you every week. You can get on board at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. Come hang. Real talk. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. It's been super fun. And until next week, may the force be with you. Thank you.